Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast, Light and Shadow. Today um, is going to be a little different. It's not as much the light stuff today. Um, I basically just wanted, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to be 100% real and honest with all the feelings that come up in healing and that I promised I would be a friend in the light and the darkness. And today is a lot more about the darkness. So what prompted this little dark storm that I'm having? Well, I know I'm basically teaching you guys a lot about healing and how healing works and the six stages, um, figuring out what's wrong, uncovering the truth, interrupting the cycle, rebuilding and renewing, setbacks and comebacks, and then the last one is the bigger picture. And I guess I would basically think of myself as kind of in the setbacks and comeback stages. So even though I've done quite a bit of work to kind of figure out what's wrong, uncover truth, learn how to interrupt the cycle, renew and rebuilding is basically the practice of going through those cycles. But then as you kind of do it more and more and more, that would be more of the setbacks and comebacks when you know better, but you're falling off or, you know, life just gets in the way and things like that start happening. So As you guys know, I've had a major life change coming to Malaga, moving here from the United States. I was so busy in the beginning, you know, getting my apartment set up and everything. And now that things are cooling down, I'm just noticing that a lot of emotions and kind of old habits are coming back, which is probably natural because, you know, I'm in a new environment. I have the old coping mechanisms. Whenever you're stressed, things come back up. But I've noticed that I've started to relapse a lot more in my eating disorder than I had before. So a little background, if I haven't said it before or you haven't listened to another podcast, is I've basically struggled with an eating disorder since I was about 20 years old. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole thing about it now because I more want to talk about something else. But yeah, I developed an eating disorder when I was about 20 years old. I was starting off being just kind of dieting and... I lost a bunch of weight and then everyone kind of congratulated me and was just like, wow, you look so great. And I was like, oh, and then I felt the pressure to maintain it. And after so much time and I was training all the time, I was a cheerleader. Um, after training all the time, I just was starving. And then from that just started the binging and I would just try my best to, okay, like fine, I binged. Now I'm just going to like go back and get back on it. And I would come up with all of these plans and all the ways I had to cut calories and how to make up for the binge and over-exercising. And it just became so exhausting. And after the end of about a year of doing that, I eventually started to purge. Um, I mean, I had done compensatory, compensatory, I don't know, compensatory behaviors, which is basically compensating for the extra calories by over-exercising. But sometimes it just got so hard to run, you know, for two hours to combat something I'd eaten. So it became exhausting and I started to purge. And there was so many other things. I kind of just wanted a new identity. I just didn't want to be who I used to be. I thought that you know, if I became prettier or something on the outside, people wouldn't see me struggling so much on the inside. And I would just focus so much on creating this like veneer of a person so that no one would see like how lonely and sad I was. Sorry. (laughs) I just basically had so much trauma and I didn't really know. I didn't really think that I was traumatized. Like I didn't feel like I had a right. My parents weren't physically abusive in a crazy way. You know, I grew up in like a pretty well you know upper class neighborhood people had money we weren't starving or anything um at that point and so I just couldn't understand why I just wasn't like good enough 
Like, I felt like I saw so many people surrounded by love, but, like, I wasn't. And I think I just felt really alone. I felt, like, insignificant or, like, unnoticed or just, like, no one cared about me. And I guess I thought that by becoming skinnier or prettier or just more attractive that maybe I could attract people to me because they thought I was pretty. And so when I started to gain the weight back from binge eating, it was like my whole veneer was threatened by gaining weight again because I'd be ugly and I'd be fat and I was stupid and and I and I didn't have any self-control and whatever negative things I told to myself, which I had already told to myself prior, which made me want to lose the weight in the first place. And just over those years, um, I just really struggled with my eating. So that first year... I started traveling and I was binging and purging all the time even though I was traveling and even though I had such great experiences that was still something that was kind of on the back burner when I got stressed and then when I got to I started living in Australia and when I got there I was okay because I had actually a boyfriend who was really supportive and loving towards me and no matter what my body looked like but a piece of me just didn't like myself and I wouldn't eat for days and days and days and the longest I've ever not eaten was like two weeks and he started to get really scared my mental state was horrible at that time because I had basically gone from like anorexia bulimia back to anorexia um and I had gotten to such a low weight that I just I was having heart palpitations. I was having all these all these problems. And the doctor was just like, you need to eat. Like, you're going to die. And so I think that's when I started kind of seeking how to get better. But I was in my last year of college. And I just had so many demands if I wanted to finish on time. Because I did kind of drop out and travel for two years. And then I went to school in another, in another country. So... There was just a lot of things and a lot of pressure and I think the eating disorder made me feel like I had control over something but I didn't really have control over anything. And so I eventually met someone who kind of told me about residential eating. I mean there's so much to this story. Um, I'm basically writing my book about it but long story short I first went into a residential rehabilitation center for eating disorders and I was kicked out because I didn't have insurance my insurance wouldn't pay for it so I had nowhere to go I basically went uh, I had like a nervous breakdown went on short-term disability and my friend who I was living with at the time had found another program which was like a Christian eating disorder facility but I didn't consider myself really a Christian at the time and I was starting to believe in God but I was afraid that it would be like a cult or something weird But I ended up going and it did help me somewhat. But even after eight months of being in that program, I still wasn't better and I still struggled. And I had a really horrible relationship. So at this time also, I had a relationship with someone who was extremely erratic. And now looking back, I would say that he was for sure a narcissist. And I'm not saying that like lightly, like, oh, he's a narcissist, he's selfish, he's a terrible person, blah, blah, blah. Like, I really didn't think that for many, many years because I was so blind. But after so many therapists had evaluated me, they basically told me that I had narcissistic abuse syndrome. And that didn't exactly register because I just thought I was always the problem. Like, if I had only done something that could make it better, if I just didn't upset him, if I handled the situation better, if I supported him more, just all the time, I just always blamed myself and thought it was me and never, like, really thought that it was ever anyone else. 
And I don't really want to like knock my parents or my dad in this situation, but I do feel like my dad was not someone I really trusted with how I felt or felt safe going to. He honestly seemed to have much better things to do than care about me. And um, that's not to say there was no good times. I just felt largely alone at my dad's house. I'd moved there when I was 13 or maybe 14. And it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I largely just felt super alone. And because of being alone, the relationships that I had with men were absolutely horrible. Um, My first relationship was extremely toxic, was just so volatile, violent and... Then I met someone else who I thought was just absolutely everything. He saw he saw all my trauma and just ex- and acted like he accepted me, and I really believed him. And that was the beginning of a sick narcissistic abuse cycle. And I think more of what I want to get at for this episode is kind of thinking about the darkness in terms of more of like the sadness and loss that you feel when you see healthy people. Like today, basically what triggered this whole thing is I was on Instagram and I just saw, I just scrolled past the video and it was basically about um, a girl and her boyfriend had basically done all of this stuff for her and he was so loving and kind and like, I just looked at the video. Sorry, there's definitely going to be some pauses in this one, but I basically just thought like, I've never had that. I've never, I've never just like had someone just treat me that well and And even recently, I recently reached out to someone that I met last summer. So last summer was the first time I'd been in Europe since 2014. And since 2014, it was my, it was my dream to move to Europe. And I was living in Harlem in the absolute worst neighborhood ever. And there was just no reason for me to be there. I, the apartment was absolutely horrible. It was like covered with black mold. My roommate was a drug addict and she was also bipolar and you could not sleep in this place it was so loud and I would just go out in the night because at the night it was you could not sleep so I was like well I'll just try my best to sleep during the day and I'll go out at night and try to make friends and try to do other things to be normal and you know recover and and whatever I had to be there basically because I had foot surgery and this is a lot of information this is but the the whole point of this whole thing is that it was just a really difficult time and I just decided in the end to go to Europe because I finally had a source of money coming in and basically New York was astronomically expensive and if I went to Europe it would still be cheaper than living in the United States especially New York so I ended up meeting this guy in Ibiza and he was fine and everything but in the end the story kind of switched so um he had a friend and when we kind of fell through I was like all right well I still want to visit Italy why don't I just um meet up with the friend because he's saying oh if you're there let me know so so I ended up going and like me and this guy were purely friends like there was nothing more than friendship I wasn't necessarily like physically attracted to him I didn't really think anything of it I just thought when we met he was so funny and he was so fun and that was really the basis of it I just thought we'd hang out it would be a fun time and then I would just leave but I don't know what it was about him he basically I don't know he just made me laugh all the time I felt super comfortable on him and it was the first time I wasn't bonding with someone 
over trauma. All of my ex-boyfriends had basically bonded with me through trauma, asking me about past relationships, telling me that they were going to be there for me, selling me on this idea that, you know, we were going to be a family or that whatever whatever happened in those relationships and this guy was just so stable and so funny and I, we, I just had like a genuinely good time with him and some of my friends were just like why you always talk about him like you like why don't you give him a chance and I was like no like we're just friends you know like I didn't think anything of it and I didn't think it would be anything more like he lived in Italy and I wasn't going to be there and I don't know but there was this one moment where he was basically pulling me through the crowd and we touched hands and I, I in the moment I was just like oh my gosh do I like him like do I like him and mind you he is like six years younger than me so I had zero anticipation of this happening so I was just like how is this oh by the way I am I was 29 at the time I'm 30 now so he was 24 I'm not like he's in high school or something but yeah so um yeah it was just so much fun and it was such a beautiful time and I just didn't want it to end like I think what's so crazy is that he would just be probably a normal person like somebody who is a healthy person would just probably see him as like just a regular average person but for me I saw him as like wow he's like the most amazing person ever because I'd really never had that I never had someone just like care about my well-being and hang out with me and just be like fun like and almost every guy I'd ever met had either just wanted to sleep with me or, you know, they were narcissistically abusing me or I, it's just, it's really, it's really hard. And, and it was just the first time I felt like, like, wow, this person is so genuine. This person is just like stable. This person is consistent. Like he would always say, I'm going to pick you up at this time. And he would literally pick me up at that time. And then he said, okay, I have to do this with my family. And he would go and have dinner with his family, like no matter what he was doing, because he just wanted to spend time with his family. And I was just like, wow, like such normal qualities I was blown away by because I'd never even experienced that. And I ended up feeling like I was like falling in love with him or something. And it was such a short period of time. And he, on the other hand, is a healthy person. So he's not necessarily going to just fall in love with someone for being normal. You know, like he's going to be like, yeah, well, we had a good time and it was fun. But he's not going to think of me, get attached to me the way that I would with him. And so at the end of the day, it didn't work out. And we recent, I recently just reached out to him um, because he was in Israel, Palestine um, for work. And I just wanted to make sure that he was okay. In the end, he was okay and he went back to Italy, but he had had a girlfriend. And I mean, it's been a year since we were really talking a lot. So this isn't astronomical or crazy, but, and, and I did cry a lot about it, but not necessarily because of him. And I mean, of course I missed the friendship and I don't think I necessarily handled or communicated the way I should have because I basically just ended our like friendship because I felt like I was getting too attached to him and I could see that he wasn't getting as attached to me in that way. He was definitely, you know, being with other girls and doing stuff like that. So, and I noticed it and I knew that if we just kept talking and he eventually ended up with someone else, I would be really sad and heartbroken because I was getting really attached and he just felt so stabilizing and so good. And I didn't want to bring him down. Like a piece of me knew that he was so healthy and so like wholesome and good that he would never be able to understand someone like me. He wouldn't understand.
I just felt like if it had gone any farther, he just wouldn't understand when I wasn't able to communicate or say how I felt or I was struggling with my eating disorder or maybe I got more upset or maybe I was overly attached. I knew that whatever I was still dealing with and the seeds of the trauma or the the branches of the trauma were still there and he wouldn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to communicate it. And we didn't live near each other. It was long distance. The fact that we were, I mean, not that we were together, we weren't. Um, it was just a friendship, like a little bit more than a friendship, but something kind of like a situationship, which I was not for. Just because I just didn't want any more gray area in relationships like I had in the past. My, The narcissistic abuse relationship was, for the most part, long distance. And it wasn't even a relationship. It was also kind of this weird thing. Um... But I just didn't want that anymore. I didn't want to get to someone, get to know someone over text. I didn't want it to be anything at all like my other ex. And I also felt like if I were to end up with the person that I would end up with, I just wanted them to choose me. I just wanted them to choose me from the bat and know that I was like something great without me having to convince them or without me having to be something or or for them to leave and come back. Like that was how every relationship I ever had was. They would be with me and then cheat or leave or do something and then come back and then come back and then come back. And I was just tired of it and I didn't want to deal with it. And since he had already been with someone else, you know, between the time I was supposed to visit him, I just thought it was that was it. Like there was no really nowhere else to go. And at the end of the day, I'm really glad that I didn't settle for less and I let go of that relationship. But when he said that he was in a relationship it wasn't so much that he was in a relationship yes there's a piece of me that feels sad that I lost the friendship because I really did value our friendship like sometimes I just wish we never went beyond the friends when I was there and it would have been totally different but who knows you can never think that it's going to be different because it wasn't so so thinking like that is essentially irrelevant I think more of what upset me is this idea that I've wasted so much time, that I've wasted so much time with my eating disorder. I've wasted so much time hating myself. I wasted so much time, you know, struggling in rehab facilities that I could never find my person, that I'm 30, almost 31, and I've never found my person. I've never had what I would think is a healthy relationship with anyone, and I'm petrified of having one because I, this is the first time in my life that I actually feel at peace. Yes, I'm crying right now but for the most part moving to Spain was the best decision I made I finally feel like at peace I feel like I'm working on my issues in a different way so that's probably why a lot of the issues are coming back up again because I'm dealing with everything again and it just gets hard but I think the thing is yeah that I've I've wasted so much time and a piece of me just feels sometimes angry you know that like why did I have to be dealt this hand? Like, of course he would move on and of course he would find someone else and of course he wouldn't still be holding on like me because he has healthy relationships. He has a mom and dad who loves him and he has stability in his home. You could see it in the way that he is in his relationship with his sister. I'm sure with his other sister, it's the same. He's super close with his grandparents. He's never seen divorce. Like, I mean, maybe with someone else, but like in his own family, His family just seems super close and I think a piece of me liked him so much because I think that he is like partially what I would aspire to be like. I would want to be stable and I'd want to have 
a strong sense of self like you could just tell he definitely likes himself he thinks he thinks he's awesome and he is and as he should but that's why it's not difficult for him to go and meet someone else and to go and to go find someone else because he's not going to get overly attached because he lives in the world view that people are good and that you know if it doesn't work out with me it's going to work out somewhere else and that you know long distance isn't what he wants because he wants to be physically with the person he's not like in a fantasy world about the person he wants to like be really with them he's consistent he can hold down a job like and it's like these are all super normal things you know super normal things that a lot of the world has but like when you're traumatized you don't necessarily get that and everything in life can feel so hard everything getting out of bed can feel hard making your bed can feel hard showering can feel hard you know eating normally can feel hard and it just holding down a job can feel hard it just feels like everything endlessly that is supposed to work for you in life like relationships you just aren't so distrustful and you're so scared and it's like you just want to push everyone out and then you do and then they leave and you end up fulfilling what you're afraid of and like the self-fulfilling prophecy and it's just so many years and so many years are gone and I just sometimes feel so envious of people who just grew up healthy that just had backgrounds that would allow them to explore the world and would allow them to just be happy to have normal relationships so they don't place super importance on one and that they marry their first love and they're surrounded by love and I just get so jealous and sometimes I'm angry and upset and a piece of me is like sure we had a connection and sure it was fun but he didn't do that much for me we sure we met in Spain and then when I came to Italy we spent a day together or a night together and then um, that was just like purely friends and then we spent another day at the beach together and then he showed me all this Sicilian food and he um, we went out that night and we went to this like lookout point and all that stuff but like to me that was like everything you know like to me it was like wow like this is so great this is so fun because I'm so used to so little and like it just upsets me sorry it just upsets me that that is the bar that I have set that that seems miraculous to me that that seems so amazing to me because I've been treated like shit for so many years by every guy I've ever dated except for one and it's just and even then I treated him terribly because I didn't I couldn't even recognize it I couldn't even accept it and I end up ruining all of the relationships I have because I'm traumatized and I don't believe anyone's actually there for me and if they are there for me then what's wrong with them and like how could you love me then then there's obviously something wrong with you or realizing you know just feeling so guilty that this person is healthy and you're not and I knew that maybe if me and this guy ended up together that that dynamic would happen again because I didn't feel safe and secure because we weren't actually in a relationship and it didn't seem like he wanted one and that's fine I'm again I'm not upset about that I'm more upset about the fact that as a traumatized person you sometimes just see people healthy people as like having got to live a life that you didn't get to live and it's the simplest things it's really the simplest things like 
I didn't necessarily want, you know, to do all of the stuff that I did with my life. And I'm so lucky that I have because I really have done a lot with my life. But sometimes all I wanted was to feel like I belonged somewhere, that I was important to someone, that I felt significant to someone, that I was seen, that I was heard, that I was important, that my life mattered. And I think just for the majority of my life, I just didn't feel like that. And one person in the span of my 29 years of life, for three days, I would become so attached to that because of what I was coming from, you know? Like, only people who are starving are gonna find that crumbs are amazing. And I'm not saying he was crumbing me or anything. It was just a short amount of time, whatever. I'm not saying anything like that. I just think that because I was used to so little, I was so amazed by anything, any ounce of love, any ounce of affection, I was blown away by. And it wasn't just that. We had a very good connection in terms of like just sarcasm and that we had the same sense of humor. And I thought he was just hilarious. And he just, like I said, we didn't bond over trauma and it was just good times and everything was fun. And I just never had had that. I'd only known relationships where you talk about your problems and that's what made me susceptible to so much abuse because all of them knew what my faults were and they knew exactly how to manipulate me and that's what happened for many years and I'm not just blaming them those are the people that I chose that I chose to stay with them because having that was better than having nothing and I guess this is just that that side of trauma that we tend to really focus on and tend to harp on and just sit in our beds and think like what if it was different and so much time isn't wasted and my life is over and where is everything going and I wanted to share this moment to share that I do get into these modes still and I think that's what's giving me the material to keep informing what I'm gonna do in my podcast because I am still going through the healing process I'm still in the setbacks and comebacks so while I have a lot of insight I'm not so far gone from you that I wouldn't understand you know (laughs) the the really dark stuff that like a lot of people don't want to talk about that a lot of times other people might feel like repelled by you know even me like when people were heavily emotional and I was very deep in my trauma I didn't really want to be near them because I didn't know how to deal with my own feelings so seeing them in their feelings made me repulsed by them in the same way that I was repulsed by my own emotions. So at the end of the day, I wanted to share how hard it can be dealing with trauma and watching other people live happy, normal lives and feeling like you're left behind or you're not good enough or you're not smart enough or you're not resilient enough and like, why can't you get over it and why can't you be like them? It's really understandable, but when I was talking to my friend, I would consider her a pretty healthy person and she I always go to her for advice and in all of this I'm not 100% on the other side but I mean my pain is why I'm making this podcast and I really hope that from making the podcast that I help other people who might be in the same situation. I hope by writing my book maybe people will see their story in my story and kind of be able to follow themselves out of the hole and that's kind of my hope and the only people who know how to help other people out of trauma are people who have been traumatized they're the only people who are going to be doing the research and all that stuff and really understanding what goes on in the brain and that's where empathy is and and sure maybe I didn't live the life that you would see on American sitcoms like leave it to beaver or something where actually I've never seen that but you get my gist just basically that 
yes, we didn't have the greatest upbringings and maybe we had a lot of things happen to us and it doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem okay, but the past is the past. And I know like, yes, today is a hard moment, but I have come so far. And sometimes when I look at my capacity and my understanding of humanity, I don't know what that's going to be in the future, but I know that it's expansive and I know that my empathy has only grown like a thousand fold for people who are struggling. I feel like I'm a much better friend. I'm a much better person. I'm going to be such a better mother and I don't know and I can't always see, you know, what is coming, but I'm certain that there is going to be a reason for all of this and there's a reason why I have my story and there's a reason why I wrote the book and there's a reason why I started this podcast and I don't see it yet but I'm certain that it will and I'm certain that it's the same for you. I'm so certain that there's another person on the other side of your trauma that is literally going to be thanking heavens for you and for your presence in their life and it wouldn't have been that way had you not gone through something and I'm not trying to glorify the trauma as if it's like this wonderful great thing. It's so hard but life is hard and I really do think that getting over your trauma is essentially like any any giant in your life, maybe even healthy people will will you know have to overcome some type of giant and maybe it's not trauma but maybe it's something else or you know like we live under this illusion that you know if if it had been different like we could have been different but you know sometimes this is the life that we were given and sometimes we could like choose to live in the past and some days we can you know some days we can have the sad days and it's so important to feel your feelings because I think the vast majority of my issues have stemmed from not feeling my feelings and avoiding them and pushing them down and pretending they don't exist and seeking the validation from other people and finding myself worth in jobs that I hated and just because they had some type of prestige to them you know like doing anything and everything just not to feel but I've come a long way in that and I do feel and I feel everything and even now like I've talked this out with you and I honestly feel a little bit better I realize that it's so difficult sometimes but there is a quote-unquote what Oprah has said in her what happened to me what happened to you book that there's post-traumatic wisdom and I really think that post-traumatic wisdom there's really no limit to what can happen from that there's still no limit to your life. There's no limit to what you can accomplish. And sometimes it's hard and I'm like, wow, I've spent 30 years trying to get over my trauma, but I know that I'm at the end and I still have, let's say I live till 100. I still have, what, 60 years left. That's a lot. That's still two thirds of my life that I can do. And if I have fought tooth and nail just for my mental sanity, like I can only imagine what I'll be doing next. I am certain that one day I will have that family. And even though this guy wasn't, and even though I didn't have the best relationship in the pa- relationships in the past, that doesn't mean that I won't have them in the future. That doesn't mean I won't be surrounded by love. That doesn't mean I haven't found my purpose. I've already started to find it writing my book and doing this podcast. So there is still no limit to what you can still accomplish, even having had trauma and even feeling like you've wasted years because at the end of the day, nothing is wasted. All those jobs that I was looking for my self-worth in, I learned valuable skills to be a self-starter and basically start doing what I'm doing now. That relationship with that guy, even though it didn't end up, it's actually protected me from a lot of bad relationships now. 
because now I've seen that you can have a relationship with someone not based in trauma, now when I see guys who bring out my trauma or ask me about my past relationships or things like that, you know, in a way that's more pushing intimacy too early on, not like they're being disingenuous or whatever, like actually disingenuous people, I recognize it. And I recognize that this isn't what I want because even though it didn't work out with this person, I have a marker now of stability and also... A reason why I think you sometimes fall in love with someone or you start to really like them is because a piece of you wants to be like them. A piece of you admires them. So in the year that we haven't talked, I really thought about like, what are the things that he has or he does that I would like? And, you know, that's like being stable or, you know, working on my physical health or going to the gym or just being like a more stable person or being able to communicate well. And even though he doesn't last in my life, the lessons do. And I'm still glad I decided to walk away when I did because the universe has a way of working out everything for your good. I've really seen it happen in my own life and I know that it's going to happen again. And the only reason I'm saying all of this is because I just want you to not think that this podcast is all about, you know, this is how you heal and this is how you get better and this is everything. And it's not like it's so hard. And I think just knowing that you're okay, even when you're dark, even when you're sad, even when you're crying, even when you're feeling even when you feel gross and ugly and like a monster and like this is why no one likes me or this is why people you know leave me it's really not true and this the positive self-talk that I have now is from years of going through it and if I had to learn to encourage myself so that I can encourage someone else in pain then I guess that's what I was here for if maybe that's my purpose on earth and that's why I'm so sensitive and that's why I'm so empathetic because what what felt like burden in situations where people were takers when I finally have those boundaries and when I finally you know have come out on top like how unstoppable would I be and it's the same for you like even right now like look at how I felt my feelings you know I really thought about what what drove those thoughts you know what 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 triggered it you know then what feelings did I come up I felt sadness I felt loss I felt a little bit of rejection I felt a little bit of disappointment you know, but I held those feelings. I talked and I tried to identify where it comes from. And I'm probably still going to cry after this. I'm probably still going to cry about cry and mourn the loss of things that I never felt like I had, but all the while still being grateful that I still have life left, that those things can still come to me. Even last summer, I, you know, I met tons of people in the summer and I met friends that are now people who are my friends. I, I hope for life. And even if they aren't, I'm not attached to the outcome. And that's coming from seeing an influx of new people, having an influx of new experiences. And, you know, having the trauma experience is just another experience. And I don't think it, it's any less valuable than having a stable upbringing. And I don't know what's to come for people with stable upbringings. And it's very easy to compare yourself and think, oh, they just have everything. But in the reality... I don't know this guy very well. Like if I really think about it, I don't know what he struggled with. I don't I don't know what his life has come to. I don't know other things about his life, you know? So it's very easy to compare and say, oh, see, because she's a healthy person, he's a healthy person. Of course, they would get together. Of course, he would probably marry this girl. Of course, he only knows healthy relationships. Of course, of course, of course. It's so easy to come up with these ideas and to, and to inadvertently beat yourself down like, on a fake comparison but 
Anyways, this was just my chat in the darkness, and I did talk a little bit about the narcissistic abuse and how painful it is. Um, I'll probably do another video on that, but the end, my, my end game here is that we all have setbacks and comebacks, and it's just so important to keep going, and you know, I'm always here. You know, That's why I'm making these podcasts. You can always send me a DM, and I really, my, if there's nothing else, just know that you are not alone. You are not alone ever, 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 ever. There's a whole universe, a whole world feeling things, thinking things, behaving in ways just like you. You're not abnormal. You're not crazy. There's just things that happened that triggered a response in you to behave a certain way. And all it is, is you learning about it, learning about yourself with curiosity and setting a new trajectory to your life. Trauma is not a death sentence. It is just an opportunity to grow and learn And I'm happy I could do that with you. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you next time.